this is the infamous Dustin Mack, and you're listening to The Real Deal Podcast. Guys, what's going on? Welcome into episode two of The Real Deal Podcast. My name is Castillo, uh, and if you paid attention to the last podcast, you know who our guest is. You know him as Justin Pilgrim. On the independent wrestling scene, some know him as Ronnie Jaquiz, and now with his new venture, Jaquiz Photography, uh, we welcome in a good friend, brother, Ronnie Jaquiz. How are you, brother? Brother, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, man, look, long work week, and we are we're we're set to have our sit down finally. We we recorded the first the episode was supposed to be the number one episode of the podcast, and we had so many errors with the audio. And uh, I'm happy to finally get to sit down and get it done again. Right. So, um. Yeah, man. Just you know, we're gonna go off the off the cuff and just how we were uh, previously, um, and you know, just introduce yourself. Tell people who you are. You know, tell them about your family, uh, your your passions, and uh, your interests, man. So, without further ado, I'm gonna sit on back and uh, who are you, Mister Jaquiz? Well, well, my name's Ronnie. Uh, what's up but most of you guys do know me from the wrestling scene as justin pilgrim uh i did i wrestled for about 12 years uh just gave it up back in july of last year and i'm not going to say that i retired because i didn't technically retire i just kind of walked away (laughs) um excuse me i have a small little family you hear my son in the background imitating my cough. Uh, he's about four and a half. His name's Jericho. Uh, I have a wife. Her name's Chelsea. She's currently out right now at the Hookah Lounge with some of her best friends. Uh, I have a stepson, which is my wife's son. His name is Isaiah. He's a cool little dude. He's about 14. Um, he's a really cool guy. He makes his own YouTube videos, like his own cartoon shorts, and puts them on YouTube. And he does... He does all the animation himself, and he even has some of his uh, some of his friends from school do some of the voices of the characters. It's pretty cool, actually. Oh, that does sound um, cool, man. Yeah, he's pretty good at it, man. I'm, I'm, a lot of his stuff really surprises me. He's good. He does a really, really good job with it. Good. I can't wait. You ha- um, you'll have to drop the link so we can uh, we can take a look at it. Oh, for sure, dude. Once I, I'll get the link from. Uh, for my wife, because she knows it by heart. I don't know. I don't know it by heart, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, my wife knows it by heart, so I'll get it from her. All right. So I get it all. Over. Um. But yeah, dude. Uh. Like I said, I quit wrestling back in July, and uh, I just I had enough of the business, man. I'm just tired of the drama, tired of the traveling. I wanted to be home, spend time with my son when I'm not at my shoot job. Um. I kind of, you know, I need a creative outlet to to let my creative juices flow. So <clears throat> I took up an old passion. Back in high school, I used to be real passionate about photography. I even took, like, photography classes and stuff and uh, learned how to do, like, developing in the, in the dark room and all that kind of stuff. But 
Uh, I decided to take that up again because my wife's cousin is getting married and she needed a photographer. So she asked me to do it, but I did not have a camera at the time. I told her yes, but I didn't have a camera. So she actually bought me a camera as payment for doing to, for taking pictures at her wedding earlier this year. So that was really cool, uh, man. That that's that's uh that's that's awesome. Yeah, man, it was really cool. I was really because. She, she asked me to do it, and I said, yeah, I have no problem doing it, but, I mean, I, t- I just take all my camp my pictures with my, my camera on my phone, and uh, she said, no problem. She gave me, a, gave me a budget to work with and told me to go looking for a camera, so I signed a really nice uh, Nikon, or not Nikon, Nikon, yeah, really nice Nikon on Amazon, uh, sent her the link, and she ordered it, and told me that once it gets here, I can have it so I can practice with it. And that's what I've been doing, man. Just taking pictures of my toys and trying to get people to let me take pictures of them. But that's not going too swell right now. <laughs> and just like any new venture, man, you know, people want just wanting to see your line of work. We, they've seen... Uh, what you've done with the uh, the action figures, which we'll we'll have up on our our social media uh, tonight after uh, we are done recording this, uh, and uh, you you did the uh, ruthless pro wrestling championship. I saw. I did yes, um, and actually, that, my wife and I we were talking last night, and that's what I was I was saying too. Like, I need to I need to prove myself as a photographer. I don't really. I'm the kind of guy that really feels like if I'm trying to do something, I really need to prove myself and show that I'm worth what, you know, what I'm asking for, for charging for a photo session. So the way I look at it is I have yet to take pictures of people like promo pictures or wedding pictures. So no one really has a reason to want to pay me to do pictures for them or even want me to do pictures. So, uh, I got a photo shoot tomorrow, um, going to do a promo, some promo pictures for TJ Meyer tomorrow. Um, and that's actually breaking news because I haven't really, I haven't announced that yet. But I'll be taking some promo pictures of TJ tomorrow and uh, we'll see how that turns out and if people like what I do. Yeah, man, and TJ's a good kid. He, he was one of my favorite ones to, uh, my short time of knowing him, actually being in locker rooms with him. Um, so yeah, man, so trying to get some, uh, promo pictures and just trying to get more stuff in your portfolio. Um, do do you think, is it, so is it the same? Do you go into it thinking more like how you did your wrestling rate? Um, or is it just more like this is a a different creativity or a, a process that you have to, uh, basically there's more time for like developing the the pictures um it it, how do you think the uh process of finding out what your rate would be yeah i'm not really sure because i've never like you know i've never really done this for for like pay before i've always just done it just to take pictures of what i like (laughs) um so like i've been doing a lot of research and looking online at like average rates of photographers for different kind of photo sessions and uh looking at rates like around the detroit area since i'm in the detroit area like lincoln park and down river and all that stuff so i've been looking at different rates of different photographers uh 
I mean, I, I, I got booked for a wedding and, uh, in July and I've never like, and I told him I've never shot a wedding before. So I, I gave him a price that was well below the average starting fee for a beginning photographer for wedding pictures. So, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of going with the flow and seeing how it feels. Cause there's a lot of stuff that you have to, you have to be there all day taking the pictures and then you have to come home and spend hours upon hours and some probably even days just doing, going through all the pictures and adding edits to them and making sure everything looks good and making sure you, you just make the photo what the client wants it to be basically. Right. Um, so the, I think the most strenuous pro, strenuous process of the whole thing would probably just be the editing, honestly, because I don't mind shooting. I love I love taking pictures. I love shooting. I can do that all day long. It doesn't bother me. It just the editing is what is strenuous because you have to sit there in front of a computer screen and you know ignore family time <laughs> and all that stuff, or try and do it as you're spending time with your family or whatnot. So that's where all the that's where all the time goes into right um so we we were uh and we've talked about this at a, a show or two um th does this still pull out those justin pilgrim vibes like moving on to a different passion do you still get that same excitement uh, as it was walking through a curtain uh no, it's not really the same. Uh, I don't think anything can really compare to that. Honestly, that's that's just a different drug and a different high. That if you haven't experienced it, then you you'll never know what you're missing. You know, um, I, I I know you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it just as many times as I have. <laughs> it's just that just that feeling, the, the the rush and the adrenaline you get when you come out the curtain to this badass music playing and the crowd cheering and chanting your name or, or booing you and yelling stuff at you either way it's still it still gets your blood pumping your adrenaline flowing and uh, i mean taking pictures is a whole different kind of excitement because like for example with my with my wrestling uh figure photography like when i create recreate moments from wrestling like it, it gives me excitement like i actually go back and watch the match because <laughs> i'm like oh man that was cool now i now i really want to watch the match and so uh it, it brings it back like when i did the the royal rumble the royal rumble finish with john cena and batista like i went back and watched that royal rumble just so i can make sure i got like all the angles perfect and uh made sure i had the had the moment just set up right but yeah, I would say it's a different kind of excitement and passion, but um, gets the end result because I still get to get the creative juices flowing and get my creativity let out in a different outlet. All right, man. Um, so, and, and just talking more, more and more about that and the wrestling side of it now. Let, let's let's go into the. No, you're okay. Uh, let's go into the um, how did we meet and what was your first impression of um, of NOW? 
Oh, man. Uh, we met when Devin and I came down there. He brought me down there because he was wrestling there for a little bit. And uh, so he brought me down there with him. And uh, first time I met you, I mean, we shook hands. And you you really seemed like a cool guy. We didn't really get to talk very much because you, know, you were busy running the show. And I get that. And so I just made myself useful, tried to help, you know, with the ring, help set up chairs and you know, do all that kind of stuff. Pay my dues to show you that I do want to be there. And uh, my first impression of NOW was amazing, man. I, I loved it from the start. I mean, that first night that I was down there with Devin, I, I brought my gear, you know, because a professional always brings his gear, whether he's booked or not. So I brought my gear with me, and you asked me if I had gear, told me to put it on. I didn't get a wrestling match, but I got to get in the ring with Abby and Greg and Devin and do that fun little nose grab spot that we did. That was pretty fun. But I just got the vibe that NOW was just a fun place to be and a good place to be. And the locker room was had really good vibes. And I, I vibed well with everyone there. So it just it felt like a second home to me, really. And, man, I, I remember that first show you were there. And Dev, Devin comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, I, I got this guy. Uh, his name is Ronnie. Uh, you know, if he's a, he is a worker, uh, and but whatever he can fill whatever role, uh, that you need, and, and, and of course, man, we 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 in training, we are taught that you know, always be prepared. Uh, I was trained to be a referee, I could be security, I could be a, a manager, I can help set up, tear it out in that ring. Um, what aspect? of the of training for you at so let's go let's go back to square one um for you in training what what was when you just stepped into the ring you know nose up in the air not like arrogant but like right a brand new baby you're you're right, in a professional yeah. wrestling room what was that first bump like uh, it was amazing, man, because I've been, you know, I've been watching it my whole life since I was three, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I dabbled in the backyard wrestling stuff for a little bit, and, uh, I mean, I... Didn't I, we all? Taken, yeah, everyone did, so I don't know why people give so many people shit about it, but, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, I like I said, I did the backyard wrestling thing for a little bit, and, you know, I was hitting the ground hard, I'm not even going to all taking bumps because it was just hitting the ground hard but um the first time i took a bump in the wrestling it felt invigorating like it woke something up inside of me like wow this is what i'm this is what i want to do this is what i'm meant to do uh it just i just fell in love with it from there what was the hardest thing about training uh cardio <laughs> uh, uh amen I've always I've always had really shitty cardio. So like even when I played football in high school and played sports in high school, like I just I always had shitty cardio. So no matter what I did, I couldn't I couldn't do nothing to fix it. But yeah, that was the shittier part was the cardio, like doing all those stupid ass cardio drills and uh, the trainers, you know, trying to blow you up and shit like that. I, I didn't care for that stuff. I, I think that's why I enjoyed Chambers' training so much. Because it, it wasn't about the blow up drills. I mean, yeah, he did a couple of the them just just to test you, but it was more or less like, you know, we're gonna learn this the right way. That way, you're right. not in here hurting people. 
And exactly. I, I think, uh, and again, this is this is a huge like thank you to Chambers on my end, and it was um that he he took his time when I I, I asked so many different guys around the area to help me uh, get into the in ring. And uh, he was the only one that actually took time, stayed after, like, when the classes at NOW were going on and um, really made sure that, you know, I I knew the process of becoming a worker. Right. Um, so after training, we're getting into, you know, now you're on the road, now you're starting to go to shows. Um, was there a – did you ever have any confident issues getting like going to shows? Like, were you more nervous, like being in new places, um, not knowing how some of the crowd or not even the crowd, more like the, the staff of the new places would be towards you or um, some of the guys that you've never met in the, in the locker room? Um, well, in Kansas, like I didn't really get to wrestle too many shows. Cause like after my training, uh, after my training was done, like, the guy the guy didn't run any shows and then uh i didn't there was no shows being run around where i lived and i didn't really have the means to travel state to state and all that stuff back then um so like i didn't really do a lot of shows and uh when i moved here it was i think it was about a year after i moved here i didn't even go to any wrestling shows because i didn't know where they were um and then i just happened to see uh uh metro pro wrestling show being advertised at their venue the old venue there so i stopped by and the night of the show and asked them if they need any help with ring crew i introduced myself told them i'm a trained worker got my gear got professional gear um and yeah dude i was i was nervous because like i didn't know anyone like literally i didn't know anyone when I went to that first Metro Pro Wrestling show. I've never been to a wrestling show in Michigan, never heard of anyone from Michigan. I was just in my own little bubble and uh, just happened to see that show being advertised and that's what drew me in. All right, man. Um, So you said you you had a 12-year career and uh, I I got to witness some, some of the best matches I've ever seen. From oh, thank you from yeah. from you and the guys that you know NOW in the Indiana Michigan like some of the best match like better matches that I I've seen ever I I've seen more storytelling in the Midwest than I've seen uh, West Coast style down in Florida style like I I've seen TV wrestling and I I do favor TV wrestling um right. so. With that being said, man, what was your favorite match that you did in your career? Um, oh, wow. Well, first off, thank you, man. I really, I really appreciate that. I mean, every time I go out there, I try and I try and do my best to make sure everyone is entertained from the boys in the back to the guys and the people sitting in the seats that paid tickets. Um, my favorite match of my career Dude, that's a hard one. Um, I never really thought about it, but I really, I really enjoyed my uh, my match with Carver, my last match, because it was in a cage, and I, that's just the one 
the one match I always wanted to do in my entire career that always eluded me and I never got to do it until my last very last match but um I think the one at NOW with Trey Jacobs, man. That that's probably that's probably my favorite match I've ever had. So the the one match that I go back my I my new coworker is like, hey, you were a professional wrestler. Danny told me because Danny has Danny's been uh, there in AT and T for a while. So uh, Danny right. Danny's like, well, my big brother did this and this. And when they ask me what like what matches that I'm proud of, I have three matches at NOW that I'm proud of that I, I was able to put on. That match with Dre Jacobs. That's on YouTube. I will also put in the link in the description for this podcast. That's top three. Um, number the IndyCard Mafia versus the Aces for the tag straps. After that long story, the build after that, it was so good. That was so good, man. Ooh, it's bringing back so many memories. And then Sam versus Travis. After the heel oh turn God. for the Uprising Championship at uh, Glass City Havoc 4 are the top yeah, three matches. And, uh, like, I, I, I put saving accounts. I put four. I'll put my – if I had a foreign account, 401K on those top three matches being some of the better matches in the Midwest in the last ten years. You're welcome, man. And then, like again, again, this isn't blowing smoke up your ass. That like, I've seen a lot of wrestling, right? And from going to shows and watching matches, and just there's certain people that can draw immediate hate when they're in character and tell a story throughout their match. I'm, a, I'm a, look. Listen, there's one worker, and he, he, I, he probably doesn't even remember me. His name is Eli McFly. He was the cruiserweight champion before you. I think Weir beat him, but this man personified stuck-up douchebag. <laughs> like he he lived it. He his persona was it, and I had never seen a crowd hate someone so much everywhere he went he did the uh the indiana legends of wrestling or whatever big show that's out there he used to go get squashed out by legends out there oh wow because he was such so people just hated him people knew who he was because he he blew up on youtube or something and it was like people legitimately hated him (laughs) so like Again, and when I talk about the heels that we've had and the heels that were are available in the Midwest that could play the part, work the part, essentially the part. It's it. All of it. Your mm. Justin Pilgrim is in that top five. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> wow, thank you. I'm pretty sure if we were on video, you'd see me blushing right now. <laughs> hey, and, and, and when we talked. I said the same thing last podcast. Like, the, the, yeah. it, this doesn't change. And that was almost a month ago. And I've seen a whole yeah. ton lot more wrestling. But it's <laughs> it's still like, 
like I put you up there, MJF. Oh man. Yeah, like I put you in MJF category when it comes when you're with your heel work. I wish we could have gave you the stick more in NOW, but that just didn't happen. Um, okay. What was your worst match of your career? <laughs> I remember this one. I, I now we got we got it really recording, baby. Oh my god. Uh, my worst match was Kitty Urban, man, at uh, RPW. was my my debut match at RPW, and uh, oh, man, that was just a complete fucking complete shit show there. And I'm pretty sure that match is the entire reason that I'm not never got booked at NOW or RPW again. And uh, Kenny still got booked, which I don't understand because he's not a very good wrestler in my opinion. And uh, I don't, I don't get why he kept getting booked and I didn't. But that's in the that's in the past now, and uh, yeah, I've already I've moved past it. You know, I fucking it's whatever to me now. But at the time, it chapped my ass basically, like because we had this real dope match planned out, man, and uh, just after we planned everything out, like everything that he did after we planned everything out, I I just had a bad feeling because like. Uh, so, so like I was originally supposed to win. I was booked to win. And I told, I told the, the booker that to, to let Kenny win, go ahead and let Kenny win. And I had this whole idea where Kenny just ruined my, my debut. He beat me, um, with a cheap roll up. And, uh, so I was doing this hook gimmick. I had these, these butcher's hooks, which were just towing J hooks that I took to work and had the welder kind of open the hooks a little bit more. So they're more snug underneath the arms and I had chains attached to them. And the gimmick was I would put them over the ropes, chain them together and then put my opponents on them and have them hanging from their arms on the ropes. Kind of like almost like crucifix, but not, not a crucifix. Right. Um, so the whole idea was he's going to beat me with a roll up and then I was going to lose my shit because I'm a, I'm a horror, vil- horror movie villain. So I'm going to lose my shit because he just beat me. And uh, I was going to put him on my hooks and just, it was just going to be a brutal, violent beatdown while he was chained up with my hooks. And so that was the whole, that was the whole idea. So Kenny and I planned out this whole match and I told him to finish with the roll up. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, are you we shouldn't do a roll up, man. I'm like, uh, why? It's the, it's, it's the only thing that works with the story that I'm trying to tell. Like, you got to work with me here, dude. And, uh, he's like, well, Chris, Chris just don't like, well, I like roll ups. I'm like, okay. The, Chris is, Chris is the booker, promoter, owner of RPW, whatever. Um, so he's like, Chris just don't like roll ups. I'm like, okay, well, is Chris a fucking wrestler? Like who could, who fucking cares? It's, it's, it's what we need to tell the story. It's the only way it's going to work. So it's, it's got, it's got to be a roll up. And he just kept arguing with me about it. And he, he's like, well, what if I just hit you with my finish and then you just get right back up? I'm like, well, that's just making your finish look like shit, dude. Have you, weren't you taught to protect your finish move? Like, that's your one move you're supposed to protect no matter what. Why are you telling me to get straight up after the three count? Like, that's just going to make your move look like shit and make you look like shit. And it's going to make me look like an asshole. Right, and I think, and, and Baron Corbin actually just said this uh, 
uh, they were on a, a, uh, another show, uh, and he said, bro, the end of days, no one's kicked out of the end of days. Nope, not Ever. a single person. Nope. It, it, since he's been NXT beat uh, CJ Parker, sauce, um, nobody's ever kicked out of it. And he said, anytime that we have a high-profile match, I'm never going to hit it. I'm never going to attempt to hit it because I, it's not needed. Exactly. Like it's it's your finish move. It's your it's your move that you're supposed to beat everyone with. Right. Why would you Why would you let someone and even like I I would be appalled if someone was like, hey, you hit your finish and I'm going to kick out. No, that's not how it is. But he was the one that suggested it. I'm like, dude, that's your finish move. Like, what do you need? And his trainers were there. Uh, the guys from Skull and Bones, I Trey Trey Miguel and the other guy, I can't Crimson. Uh, I think his name's Crimson. I can't remember his CK. name. CK. I apologize. I'm sorry? CK? Yeah, CK, yeah. I apologize, CK, for not remembering your name, but I've only met you once, so can't really blame you there. Um, but, like, they were there, and Trey overheard us talking and, like, overheard us kind of arguing about the finish, and so he came over and asked us what was going on. I told him everything, and he looked at – Kenny, like, he was a fucking idiot for trying to fuck up his finish. He's like, it needs to be a roll. There's no other way. And I was like, dude, I, that's thank you for saying that because that's what I've been trying to get through his fucking head this whole time, and he's not listening to me. But I guess since you're a trainer, Miguel, and you're on TV and you're his trainer, and listen to you, say the same fucking thing that I just said. So, like, we had that big fiasco, and then we went out to the ring, and just from the start, man, he just – he ruined the whole fucking match, dude. He didn't do anything that we had planned. Like, he ran around the ring for fucking, like, almost three to four minutes at the, before getting in the ring for the first bell, making me stand in the ring looking like a fucking idiot. Like, none of that was talked about. You were supposed to come in the ring so we can get this hot start and we get going. Because that's what it was supposed to be, a hot start. That's how I start all of my matches, with a hot start. That's how it was supposed to start. Right. And, and uh... So, like, I got out of the ring, and I chased him down. And, you know, if if you are a worker and you see another worker jumping at you, you attempt to catch him or you kind of move out of the way and put, push him so he doesn't hit anyone. Because I ran at him, and I went to jump at him to kind of shoulder block him to close on him. He moved out of the way, and I almost hit a fucking fan. And I'm like, bro, like what the fuck are you doing? Like, so we finally start the match and, uh, it, it went okay at the beginning. He didn't, he didn't fucking, uh, so I do, I do a corner code breaker where I, I get you in the corner, I run and yep. jump and hit you in the chest and fall down. And I, I let go of you so you can pop up from the effect. And then as you're starting to fall back down to sell the move, I grab you for a quick roll-up for a one count. If it's the beginning of the match, it's always going to be a one count because it's like the beginning of the match. You're not you're not ready for to be down for two seconds after that. So, boom, one count. So what he did was he popped up, and then he just laid back down in the corner, like standing up in the corner, leaning in the corner. And I'm like, so I'm laying on the ground with my arms stretched out, waiting for him to fall to me so I can roll him up, and he's just – making me look like that. So I kind of basically had to stand back up and roll him down for the pin. Um, 
after that, we went to a spot where he was selling on his back and I got, I get on top of him and I hit him with clubbing forearms to the back of like to the shoulder blades and the back of the head. And then I, I locked him into a camel clutch. Well, when it came time for the camel clutch, he wasn't feeding me his arms. He was physically fighting me for me not to get his arms. He wasn't working with me. He wasn't doing nothing. He was working for himself. So I said, fuck you, man. And I, I hit him fucking hard. I'm not even going to lie, dude. Right here in front of you, in front of God, in front of everything. I elbowed him hard as fuck right in the back of the head just to make him go limp for a couple seconds. So I grab his arms and get the camel clutch. Jesus. And this was all talked about in the mat, like in the back. He knew the spot. He knew the spot. Like I told him, dude, we literally, you know me. Like when I when I'm in a match, I'll go over my match with my opponent at least 25 times to make sure that everything is good. We our match, bro. We we talked about it like 10 times, like in two minutes before the match. We that's how many times we went over it. Exactly, man. Like, and it, so like if I don't have confidence in my opponent, like if I don't, because I've never worked with Kenny before, and I've only seen him work like maybe two times, and then those couple times he was at NOW when I was there. So I didn't really like know him. I didn't know his style. I was like, and I know it's a completely different style than what I wrestle because I'm a brawler. I'm a fighter. I don't go out there to hit submission moves or fucking hit like technical wrestling moves or do chain wrestling or do the international spot. I go out there for a fight. And I go out there to fight and win as however I can. <laughs> and he's, you know, he's trained by CK and Trey Miguel. So he tries to wrestle like Trey Miguel. And he's too big to wrestle like Trey Miguel. Trey Miguel is an amazing wrestler. Don't get me wrong. He's an amazing performer, dude. Amazing athlete. Kenny can't even touch what Trey Miguel does. And he, and in that match, he tried. He tried doing the whole, you know, the corner spot where Trey Miguel kind of uh, jumps through the through the middle ropes. And then is on the on the apron and hits you with like a kick or a forearm when you're running yeah. at him. He tried that and he got stuck on the metal rope inside the ring and it looked like he was sitting on the rope getting ready to take a shit inside the ring. Like, bro, you're too big for that stuff. You can't do it. Don't. Why are you even trying? <laughs> oh my god. So, and like, and if you were in that crowd or if you've seen that match and you you know me. And you you can watch my body language. You can tell from the beginning I'm just fucking pissed off, and I'm not. I, I'm done. I'm done with this match. And like we did the whole beatdown spot at the end of it, and the guys that came out to try and save him completely fucked it up because they didn't. They didn't let me uh, get into the beating at all. They just let me get them on the hooks, and then there they were to stop the whole thing. I'm like, what the fuck? So. I fucking I just walked away and I tore my mask off even before I got halfway back to the locker room. And at the time I wasn't doing that. At the time is when I first came back from my shoulder surgery and I was wearing my mask full time. And I was I wasn't taking it off in front of crowds. And I took it off halfway back to the back. And then I looked I looked behind me as I'm going to the back. And bro, I'm not even I'm not even pulling your leg here. Not even six feet from me there's Kenny Urban with the guys that were supposed to save him walking behind me. I, <laughs> I was like, 
you couldn't even wait till I get behind the curtain so people don't see us walking to the same fucking place together. Like, come on, man. That that's um, unreal. And I can I can give you the link. I I have I have the video on my on my YouTube, mm-hmm. but it, it's set to private, so only people I share the link to can watch it. So if you want to see this match, dude, I'll I'll give you the link so you can watch it. But I I, I definitely want to see it. Because the only <laughs> match I I, I know of like personally with Kenny is the one that him and I had at the <laughs> at the realm, and that that wasn't great either. Right. Like and I mean, kudos to him. He's you know he's going to Skull and Bones. He's doing his thing, whatever. That's cool, dude. But I mean, he tried to re- he tries to wrestle, or at least in that match, anyways, like a cruiserweight, like like he was Trey Miguel. And I'm sorry, Kenny, but you are nowhere close to being Trey Miguel ever. You're not you're not as small as him. You're never going to be able to do the cruiserweight stuff that he does. It just it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> and if you watch that match back, you can definitely tell it doesn't work. And I, I and personally, I like I I like what he's doing now. He's he's uh, linked up with Swartzy, and uh, yeah. they're doing the whole Lucy Goosey gimmick, and it's uh, it's enjoyable. I, I'm a sucker yeah, for dude. a good character, man. You know what I mean? I, I always loved the the Eugenes. I've loved Mankind. Uh, I didn't really like Doink because I hated clowns, but. Um, but shit like that, brother. Tentanka, Funaki, I-, I love the comedy guys. Oh yeah, dude, no question about it. I'll give him credit where credit's due. You know, he's he's doing pretty good stuff right now. But that that one match that we had, man, and I like Kenny as a person. We got we got along great back back in the back. I mean, until after that match, anyways, because I just didn't fucking talk to him the rest of the night. But I mean. We, he's a cool guy outside of the ring, but I just, if I ever came back to the wrestling business, I'd never wrestle him again. Right. Because he, he gave me, he gave me my shittiest match. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and put all the blame on him because maybe I did something to fuck him. Who knows? There was a point in the match where I did, I was, I, uh, my chest was hurting me and I was, I was like breathing pretty heavily, but. I had just wrestled Eric Eli, uh, Ely, probably a couple weeks before this, and he hit me in the chest with one of his giant ass fucking boulder shoulders. <laughs> and like ever since then, I I had some some breathing problems, but and I I would get winded and gasp for air, but like other than that, I feel like I stuck to what we had planned as well as I could without him doing it. I feel like. I feel like I put out my best effort in this match besides the fact that I was, I, I was blown up, but, and I mean, I was wearing a fucking latex mask. I could barely breathe in that motherfucker, but I did the best I could. And I'm not trying to make excuses. If I did something to fuck up, I did something to fuck up and I'll, you know me, I'll be the first person to admit that. Right. But I don't, I don't feel like in this match, I really did anything wrong to warrant the way that he wrestled in this match. I stuck to what we had planned out in the back and he didn't. And it just kind of, it just went to shit. And I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link for the video and let me know what you think, man. Cause I mean, anyone else that I've showed it to, I don't know if they're just trying to say, yeah, man, yeah, man, you're right. Cause I'm their friend. Like a lot of people do. 
Right. But no, and I'll, I'll and you know I how feel. I am, man. Like I, I shit on my matches. I shit on Danny's matches. Even a Joey's old matches, like me and Chambers just sat, sat there and just like, this is what could have been better. And same, we go back and watch our matches. So I, I'll give you the, the most honest critique. But we will be right back. Uh, and we're going to talk some video games, man. Uh, yeah. I'm excited for this one. Guys, stay tuned. We'll we be right back. All right, man. So. We're going to talk about some video games, man. And Hell yes. Like, what, what what system are you currently playing? Or what, what do you own right now? I currently play the Xbox Series X. Ooh, all right. That's the, that's the one system that's uh, uh, eluding me right now. I have, the, uh, I have the PlayStation. I have the PC. But, uh, and I have the Switch. But I don't have. I have the Xbox One. Oh, dude, I was I was lucky to get it because, like, you know, <laughs> like a lot of people, we just got our tax returns and uh, we went to, you know, you know, spoil ourselves a little bit. So we went to like Meyer and Walmart and stuff. While we were at Meyer, uh, I saw that they had one Xbox Series uh, XS, the the white, the smaller one, the yep. discless or the discless one or whatever. And it was on sale for like two fifty, so I was like, "Oh, cool! I need a new Xbox." So I asked, I asked the lady at the counter, I was like, "Hey, can I get that Xbox that you guys have there?" And she literally was like, "Do you want the X or the XS?" I was like, "Well, I only see the XS down there. Are you telling me you have an X in the back?" And she said, "Do you want the X?" I said, "Well, lady." I don't want to play games with you, but if you're telling me you have the X in the back, then yes, I want that. <laughs> so she went to the back and got it for me, man. And I was, I was like, yes, it was the last one in stock too. So. That, that's luck right there. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I, I love it. I love the X. It's pretty nice. Yeah, man. The um, so. The, how I got the PlayStation 5 was my buddy Nate actually had it in Minnesota. He goes, hey, Rob, I just got this PlayStation. Uh, I like it, but I'm switching the PC. And before I put it up on the marketplace, I, I want to see if you want to buy it. And I go, look, man, I don't have the money for it. So, like, if you want to, like, just sell it, sell it. I understand. He goes, nonsense, man. Look, I'll send it to you. I'll sell it to you for four fifty, and you can make payments. Oh wow! And I kind of perked up a little bit and got excited. I was like, "What do you mean make payments? Like, what are you talking about?" This was when I was like not making much at the old job, and he he goes, well, "You pay me like fifty bucks every two weeks, man, until it's paid off. You're good." And I just looked. I I, I was dumbfounded. Wow, that's amazing! And I was like, "Man, look, if that's that's honest, like if you're if you're about it, like just send it. We're we're good. I'll send fifty bucks right now." He said, "You send fifty right. bucks, and it'll be in the mail tomorrow, and you have it in two days." Wow! Well, lo and behold, PlayStation Five shows up at my door, and it's it's right here, decked it out amazing. with a, a Dragon Ball Z skin. But like. It, it's just the luck, man, to get one of these these items nowadays is uh, it's weird. And then we got one for Pat G for Christmas. We all kind of 
up paid on that one a little bit, but you know. Yeah, I did see that. I did see you guys get one for him. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and we shipped it to him, and you, I'll never use UPS again. <laughs> out here, like yeah, I don't, I we don't we lost your package. Ever. What do you mean you lost our package? Like, bro, that's a that's a five hundred dollar system. Like, y'all refunded me, or like, what y'all doing? But wow. regardless, it got there. Happy Pat G. Um, so look, man, we played video games since since uh we are wee little burritos, right? So, oh yeah, dude. What was the first video game console that you had? Well, since I'm an oldie, man, uh, the first console that I remember having uh, in the household was the Atari. Um, but the first console that I personally had in my own room that was my own was the regular Nintendo. Like the, the, the Nintendo, the right, the original Nintendo, the NES. NES, okay. What was um so like what was one of your favorite games to play back then? Was it like the the eight D scroller Mario or uh, the Mega Man yeah, dude, X? Mario Mario three was my jam, dude. <laughs> Super Mario three was my jam, and then uh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Um, when the Super Nintendo came out, like Paperboy was my jam. I love Paperboy and uh, um, Zombies Ate My Neighbor is probably my all-time favorite game from, from the Super Nintendo. That's a game I haven't heard of in a long time. Was Zombies Ate My Neighbors? Holy shit! <laughs> That's one of my favorite games to play, dude. Anytime that I get my hands on the Super Nintendo. That's the first game I go looking for. So growing up, did you have a preference on like consoles or series? Like, uh, were you more of like a Nintendo guy with like Pokemon and uh, the Mario series? Or were you like Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot or Xbox with Halo and Gears of War? Definitely when, uh, when the PlayStation One came out, the very, very first PlayStation, I was a PlayStation guy. Playing like, like you said, Metal Gear Solid. Um, after that, like I got the PlayStation Two, and then uh, obviously the X, the original Xbox came out. And funny story, my mom and dad actually got me the original Xbox for Christmas the year it came out, and uh, I caught them playing it, and I caught my dad playing it in their bedroom, like. Probably in, in November, like a month before Christmas, I was like, "Yeah, they got me an Xbox. Hell yeah!" <laughs> um, yeah, ever since Xbox came out, man, I've I've just been an Xbox guy. Like, I don't really like to say I'm I'm an Xbox guy or a PlayStation guy, but I mean, I've had Xbox since the original. I got the Xbox 360, the Xbox One, all that stuff, and. Uh, I never got a PlayStation 3, but a lot of my friends always got PlayStation. So, you know, I got to play the Uncharted series and the God of War series and all that stuff. And, uh, I did own a PlayStation 4 very briefly. Um, but as you can tell, I got rid of it because I, after I beat Ghost of Tsushima, I just never played it anymore. So I got rid of it. I don't know, man. I just I have more enjoyment playing Xbox. I enjoy their games and their controllers a lot more. Uh, 
I don't know. It's, it's something about the Xbox. I mean, really so I, I, I have a similar like timeline with, with Xbox. I went from like the Nintendo 64 to the GameCube, the GameCube to PS1, PS1 to Xbox, then the 360, and then the Xbox One. Um, and I had a PlayStation 2, but it was like more of a paperweight. It was just the extra console there. It was like Xbox you can get online. You can play Call of Duty with your friends online. You can play Halo in these lobbies, and you can play more titles online. So I always had Xbox all the way up until, let's see, man. Xbox had a long reign in my house for maybe... 14 years, 15 years, and then I got, I moved into my first ever apartment, and I was like, I want a PlayStation. I want to play baseball. Right. So I, I went and got baseball. I got a PlayStation 4. I still had the Xbox. Uh, I would still play uh, Madden on the Xbox. Uh, but then I slowly made the transition where now the Xbox One is used for like direct TV stream and Hulu and Netflix in the front room where now the PC and PlayStation are both in the room hooked up to the streaming device. Right. Um and that's what that's what the Xbox One was originally built for because that's why it was called the Xbox One so it can be your number one entertainment system like you can stream your cable and your direct TV through it. You can do a whole bunch of stuff with it. That's what I always liked about it. But Revolutionary. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it really was for the time that it came out. It, was, it, changed, it changed the game in my opinion. It did, man. And just, just to think of just in our time and our, our, our life, how video games has evolved um, right. from a 2D scroller to 8-bit to actual graphics like the uh, for example and i and i know you have it i have it wwe 2k22 looks fucking fantastic oh my god it's such a beautiful game man i'm so i'm blown away even even the graphics on the on the xbox one and the playstation 4 from what i've seen are just amazing but on the x and the and the playstation 5 dude I am just blown away by those graphics. Like I, I, I think when Brock Lesnar tosses people at the screen, the sweat flies on me. <laughs> like it, it like it's so good. Like, and I think, um, just oh, real quick, we'll jump into the WWE 2K22 train since we're on video games. Is I love how the game. I, I don't know how how much you've dived in. Uh, so far, but the the my faction and the my rise, fantastic! I love the story. Um, I I haven't touched universe mode because like I'm I'm so enamored with GM mode. I feel GM mode needs to be um, equipped with more titles and a little bit more free range with the roster. But other than that, like the ideal of booking shows, stadiums, like all that is. Um, it's it's a chef kiss, bro. Like I I can't I can't I don't have maybe a couple small glitches with this game, but there's nothing that I hate about it. Oh, dude, I I agree with you 100, man. Uh, 
I've I haven't really I haven't touched uh, universe mode and I I haven't really done the my faction stuff. I've done I think I've done one match in the my faction thing, but <laughs> excuse me. Um, I've been playing the my rise and I really I really enjoy it, but it's it's so confusing at times because it's like a, a random match gets set up while you're checking your DMs or your Twitter. A random match gets set up by going to the GM office. Like it's like whoa, where, how how many random matches do I need to do? And, Right, like where I, where am I in this timeline? <laughs> yeah, like uh, the only the only problem I've ever run into with that game was uh, in the My Rise mode. I I won the in the NXT North American Championship, and uh, they never recognized. They never brought it up that I won the championship. They never recognized me as the champion. I never defended it. I never even lost it. Uh, when I, you know, like you can go check the current champions when you're in the My Rise. Yes. Uh, it showed it showed me as as the North American champion, but I never they never made me defend it or anything. And then I won the NXT title, so I was the North American NXT champion, but I still never defended or lost it in the North American Championship. <laughs> All right, Ronnie Two Belts, I'm digging it. Right. Um, yeah, the the GM mode, I do agree. I think I think you should have more free range with the roster. Uh, I think there should be more titles on it other than the the universe title and the women's title and the world title or whatever. But um, yeah, dude, I I I love that game. I was I, I'm pleasantly pleasantly surprised with the game overall. It's way better than their last couple games that they've released and. Uh, I'm just blown away. The controller, the controller system is a lot better. Like it's so much easier to get a, get a control of and get down and learn. Yeah, man, I, I'm just having a blast playing this game. Yeah, man. Um, and I think it, it to reintroduce people to the wrestling games and just the this being the last 2K game of the series for now. We don't know what the contract negotiations or anything is going to be. But I think it's a, a, a great outlook towards the future of wrestling games. Me too, man. When when they said that they're gonna rebuild the whole engine from ground up, like I that right there I, I had complete faith that it was gonna be a, a completely different game than what they've been releasing. Because like they've been stuck on the same old engine for so many games that they never changed it and they finally rebuilt it from ground up and man, they did such a great job with it. I agree. I agree. I agree, man. All right. So, I asked this one last podcast, man. I really enjoyed this question. Um, what's that one game that you started and you never beat, but it bothers you to this day? What is it? Oh man, I don't even remember what the answer was last time, but um Probably any of the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> I've never finished one Assassin's Creed game. Really? Really? Yeah. I've always started them, and then it just got way too repetitive and way, like, doing the same thing over and over again. And I kind of just fell out of them and started, like, other games came out that I wanted to play, so I played those instead. <laughs> wow. Um, like, I think I have, I think I have, like, 92 hours in, in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I don't even think I'm halfway through the fucking the main storyline. 
Valhalla is a very long game. I heard there's like a, the main story is probably about 140. I would imagine so, man. But I'm, I only, like I said, I don't even think I'm halfway through. <laughs> that that's how I felt with Fallout Three, because Fallout Three was the largest game that they ever put out on Xbox, mm-hmm. and it was like 300 hours of main content. If you want side missions, it's about 450 to 500 hours. Yeah. And that's not even counting, like, grinding levels. Right. Um, but also that if you blow up the nuke at the... Uh, a spoiler if nobody's played Fallout 3. Looks at camera. Um, If you blow up the bomb in Megaton at the beginning of the game, your story decreases, like, by 50%. Yeah. So, so have fun with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I we we've heard Mega Man X. Uh, someone went back and finally beat that for the first time. Uh, Metal Gear Solid game. Um, the Lion King on the Atari or Genesis. I, I, what was it? Or was a Nintendo version? I don't remember what system it was. But it was the Lion King game that they never went back and beat. So, um, that's Assassin's Creed's. That's that's a. Those are very long stories, bro. Yeah, and like I'm really picky on like the games I play too. Like, I never really got into Pokemon. Um, I I don't know. It just I never really got into it. But like, I'm more into uh, like shooters and and RPGs and adventure. Like you know, like Assassin's Creed and like. Uh, like Sky, like Skyrim, Elder Scrolls, and all that stuff. Those are the more my style of games, and I I, I usually tend not to venture out most most of the time because <laughs> I get bored, and then I'm just like I'm just gonna go play this game that I actually like. No, I I understand a hundred percent, man. And you know I, uh, I I play GTA, I play Madden, play WWE, golf, Fortnite. Right now, that's just the stuff that I'm playing right now. Baseball drop. Right at midnight last night and i have no desire to play it um <laughs> like i was that's the whole reason why i got a playstation but now that's on playstation xbox i'm like it kind of lost the uh the luster to me man there's nothing there's no pop to it to go out and grab this game um yeah, dude, and it's it's free on the xbox game Pass. and that's what i'm saying and i have an xbox sitting <laughs> in the front room where i can just go it's for free but i don't know if i right. want to play it that uh, it's 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 tough. <laughs> it's tough. Um, what's so if so if you had someone that's never played video games, they're really interested. They want to play for the first time. What's that one game that you would recommend them to play? Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, I would see what what they're into. Like, I. Because I, I could I could probably recommend a different game for a different genre because I played I played so many video games in my time like if they're wanting RPG I would recommend Elder Scrolls Morrowind or uh, or Skyrim uh, if you wanted racing games I would recommend Forza Horizons or I would recommend Need for Speed Underground Two um, classic like yeah that's that's probably my favorite racing game of all time I played that so many times. Um, as far as fighting games, you know, I would I would obviously recommend 2K22 right now because that game's on fire. But 
Um, I would also recommend like the the UFC games, uh, UFC two and UFC three, even UFC four that came out a couple years ago. I, I didn't uh, dig four. You know, I I, I, I couldn't was, mess with it. It it seemed like uh, it just seemed like it was UFC three just with different arenas. Um, I could, I, I, I would also that. recommend like fight like fight night if you're into boxing. I'd recommend fight night round one and fight night round two because those games are pretty dope too. All right, man. All right, so again, we'll be right back and. Um, we are going to jump into some rapid fire questions. Oh, hell yes. All right, man. We're back with the rapid fire questions. Video games, Tekken, or Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. All right. All right, man. All right. So let's talk about film. Name your top three movies. Uh, number one is Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah. Number two will probably be The Wrestler. Uh, number three, I'm going to go with... Uh, how about The Joker? Okay. What was the worst, most overhyped movie? That I've seen? Yep. Uh, probably Bewitched. I walked out of the movie theater on that. Oh, wow. What's your favorite fast food spot? Ooh, favorite fast food spot is probably Taco Bell. Okay, that that, that seems to be the uh, consensus. What is the <laughs> worst fast food spot? Ooh, McDonald's. Ooh. All right, man, you got you got a choice here. If you had to choose between Red Robin, Buffalo Wild Wings, or all right, we'll do that. Red Robins. Uh, or Buffalo Wild Wings? Uh, definitely Red Robin. Okay. Sandwich guy with the endless fries? Yep. All right. What is the uh, your hype song? Oh, there's so many of them, dude. Uh, probably my Purge entrance music that I was coming out to before I left. Okay. Obviously, uh, what is your favorite genre of music? Heavy metal. Okay, and what is the your least favorite genre of music? Country rap. Ooh, country rap. Yeah, that, that's that. We have a guy. We have a guy at work that blasted through the whole shop. Yikes. <laughs> Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey? Uh, Jim Carrey. Oh wow, that hurt my soul. I love Adam Sandler. Don't get me wrong, but I always I grew up with the mask. Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura was always one of my two favorites. Okay, all right, all right, man. That wraps up for the rapid fire questions. Now we're gonna get into we're gonna slow down the podcast just a little bit. We're gonna go to heart to heart, and this is the segment where uh, we talk about our mental health and uh, stuff that means more to you as a man. Um. You know, you're a father, you're a husband, uh, and it's just the the go into the everyday life with uh, how do you deal if, if you have depression or you you know you have mental health that that affects you. How do you how do you go about it? Um, the first the first question I have for you, man, is what does hard work mean to you? 
means getting up in the morning and putting your work boots on and going to work for how many hours that you work and providing for your family and making sure that your family is taken care of, whether it be food or shelter or whatever necessity that they need. And, um, hard work is, is how I built my life. <laughs> uh, hard work means everything to me, man. If you're not working hard, what are you doing? Right. Um, I, I've had this discussion and I, I, I feel a certain type of way about how our, our school systems, um, and just society itself doesn't prepare you for adulthood. Um, it's always, we're taught what, what's by the books of like in math and science and history, but we're never told how to balance a checkbook, our credit score, how important that is, um, loans. Anything to do with owning a home, a car, um, how to balance your finances, basically. A lot of a lot of people feel like they're behind at 20 years old. They're extremely young. 25, 30, 35, 40. From just from your experience in life and working a, a, a nine to five and working with professional wrestling and having to work and basically did you have any help or any explanation of what adulthood would be and if if not what should be the expectation for the us as a generation to teach our children uh, about life. Um, no, I didn't really have much to prepare. Like, I mean, back when I was in school, like it was like eighth grade, I believe they, they did teach us like basic finances, like how to, how to, uh, how to balance your checkbook and all that stuff. But they didn't teach us about like the stock market they didn't teach us about like finances and uh or financing and like loans and all that stuff and, uh <clears throat> like i never they didn't teach us really about credit cards and credit card debt and all that stuff so i think that's something that should be taught in school i think it's something that would definitely immensely prepare the next generation for being an adult because I mean, let's face it, finances are the, probably the biggest part of being an adult because you have to you have to make sure you have enough money to be able to do like if it's just yourself, you have to have enough money to be able to provide, you know, food for yourself, shelter for yourself, uh, a vehicle to be able to get around. Like there's just so much going into being an adult that deals with money and financing that it's it should be a crime that it's not taught to the generations. So what, what, what is that piece of advice you would give them, them youngins right now? The, the you know, we're, we're in our thirties, but those, those, those kids that are just leaving high school and pre preparing for college and preparing for uh, the nine to five grind, like what, what piece of advice do you give them? Uh, just make sure you love what you do, no matter what it is. Like, even if it's not what you ultimately want to do, 
with your life, at least it's a start. And if you don't enjoy your job and enjoy the work that you do, you're going to be miserable your entire life. You're going to be miserable the entire time that you work there. Um, I'm not going to say, you know, quit your job before you find another job if you don't like your job, because I don't even do that. But there's been a few times where I didn't feel right at a job and I didn't like the job anymore. And, you know, uh, I got into arguments with the management and was treated like shit and I left. And I think that more people should do that because I think that a lot of places nowadays just feel like, you know, they're, they're the ones in charge. So you can't, you can't say nothing to them. That's going to rub them the wrong way or you're going to face consequences basically. Right. So I've always been a big believer of like standing up for yourself and standing up for what you believe in. And if I'm at a job and they're trying to get me to do something that I don't think I I'm qualified for, or I shouldn't be doing then I'll tell them And if they don't like it, then that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> I, I think, I think the biggest, um, I think the biggest thing with that too, is there's always going to be job opportunities. You're yeah. not, you're not handcuffed to a job. Exactly. Um, my my once previous you, once you quit, once you quit, you're just going to be replaced. Right. God forbid you pass you pass away, you're just going to be replaced. They're not going to grieve over you. They're just going to replace you. They'll have a new so, they'll have a new body in your place within the week. Exactly. Or lined so up. I've always been under under that philosophy, and you know, I anytime I've I've left a job for a new job, and this may this may make me look like an asshole, but I don't give my two weeks because why would I give a company like a company two weeks when they're not, they wouldn't give me the same courtesy before they fired me. Right. They're not going to say, Hey, in two weeks, I'm going to fire you. So why would I go, Hey, in two weeks, I'm going to be quitting. <laughs> that don't make sense to me. So, um, and it may make sense to other people and I may sound like an idiot to them, but that's just the way it is. If I have another job lined up, I've seen the way that jobs treat people that two weeks on the point or the two week notice most of the time their hours get cut to where they're barely working at all anymore so what's the point oh i've seen it i i put my two weeks in at a couple of jobs and they're like all right well we're just gonna keep you off the schedule that way we can get someone new in all right cool just no exactly. don't, don't expect me to come in either like um right. my my previous ex uh employer uh i had covid back in september of 2020 i'm in the I hospital I was in the hospital for five days. I didn't know if I was coming out of that motherfucker or not. And he's calling me every day. Hey, how you doing? You coming in tomorrow? Like, I don't know if you're wow. joking or not, my guy. Like, I'm in the hospital, like, in the COVID section of this hospital, like, on a breathing tube. Well, treatment or whatever. Tubes. I had tubes in my nose hooked around my ears, like the oxygen or whatever. Like, that way I'm, I'm not over here dying. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I'll be alive tomorrow. Like I need to make sure I, I wake up in the morning. Exactly. And he like I, I got released Thursday night, and he goes, "Hey man, look, I really need you tomorrow. Like I need you in." And I was like, "I I just got out of the hospital. Like it's a Friday. You don't you don't need me." He goes, "You know what? You're right. I don't need you." And hung up on me. So I was like. Bro, like, don't act shitty. I, I went to work that next day. I, I looked at him. I was like, I'm here. If something happens, 
it's on you. I have all of our phone conversation recorded. Right. So I, I just feel like there, there's this disconnect between the general public and employers. But I, the job that I have now is it, – it's been amazing, dude. Like the staff's cool. I'm making more money than I've ever made for doing less. Oh wow! And it, it's it's and I can move up. Like I I just had an interview for assistant store manager. I didn't get it because I've only been there five months. They said, "Hey man, you know if you had a little bit more experience, we'd give you this job." It was a pay raise plus twenty five percent of a manager's bonus. Like bro, like what? That that that's even more money than I've never had. Like that, like there's opportunities out there. There's always going to be a better job and opportunity for you. you. Like don't, don't ever let a job affect your mental health. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. And like, I mean, I'm going through a little bit of bullshit with my job right now. I'm trying to get a raise, but I'm just putting my nose down and grinding out <laughs> and trying to prove that I deserve a raise. I mean, sometimes that's all you can do because I love, I love my job. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I love my job place I work at but there's just a lot of bullshit that I put up with and I've been there for five years and it's been three years since I've had a raise and now they want me to jump through all these fucking stupid ass hoops that I've already jumped through just to get a raise and then it's it's getting hard to support a family of four with just 17 bucks an hour man I have to bust my ass and work like 50 to 60 hours a week just to fucking have some extra money to play Right, and I understand that, man. And um, with, with with that, man, I, I know it affects you mentally. Like, you, like, is this really how it is? Then it puts strain on you emotionally. Um, how how do you how do you how do you cope with this? <laughs> I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> I, look, listen, I more power to you. I I hear that uh, a lot. I, yeah, dude. I mean, that that's that's one of my big coping mechanisms. Uh, I mean, I, I started smoking it mainly because I, I get really, really bad migraines. Like, I used to have to take medication for it when I was on my dad's uh, military insurance. So, like, I get, I get really bad debilitating migraines where, like, I have to turn off all the lights, not look at my phone. I have to sit in complete dark underneath the blanket and just try and sleep, and hopefully it goes away because, like, Tylenol and, and Motrin and all that stuff doesn't take it away. But when I found out that weed took it away, boy, did I start smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> um, and it, and mean, and then it just came with the territory of helping me because I do get real bad anxiety and I get, I have anxiety attacks and I have panic attacks and, you know, sometimes I do get depressed. Like, I mean, for instance, just, just today, like, uh, Today's the 15th anniversary of my dad being killed. So like it, it's, it's been kind of a challenge today. It's been a real challenging day, a real hard day. And, uh, you know, I just pushed through it. I talked to my mom a little bit on the phone and made sure she's okay. And, you know, um, it just gets to me sometimes and all this extra stress with the work that I have to do and how much hours I have to put in just to be able to fucking make ends meet and make a little bit of extra playing money just kind of wears you down a little bit. But I, weed kind of just brings me back up. 
I hear you, man. Uh, and uh, again, uh, I don't know if I comment on the post or not, but um, I, I understand. I do. Uh, I I, uh, I don't have that. Um, I, I still have my parents, but um, I could have lost my dad when I was young from a quadruple bypass. And my mom had a stroke recently. So, like, uh, I'm thankful to have both of them. But, like, I feel your pain. My best friend lost his dad um, when he was 18. So, you know, and that was also about 12 years ago. Like, and he he still, like, I talk to him daily, and it still messes with him. So uh, my my heart goes out to you, man. Like, uh, I, I I couldn't imagine. Thank you, man. It's. You know, they always say, like, time heals all wounds, you know, and, like, it gets easier. But I, I don't really feel like it gets easier with them being gone because, I mean, every day I miss my dad, you know, because, I mean, the last time I talked to my dad on the phone, we got into a fight, and then two weeks later he was dead. <laughs> so, like, that that tears me up for the, this whole 15 years that's just torn me apart, man. And, like, it's taken a lot for me not to – not to cry right now. Um, I get it. But, like, um, it doesn't it doesn't get easier with them being gone because you still miss them, but you just kind of get used to them not being around. I, I get so, it. I, I think it's one of the dumbest sayings ever. Like, it, it gets easier with yeah. time. It does not. I, I it get it. You're trying, you're trying to raise my spirits and uh, – like I'm a realist, man. It doesn't get easier, and uh, my heart, my heart goes out to you, brother. And um, so, if you, if let's get back into or let's wrap up. So, if if you had an opportunity to go back, not knowing how it would change life today, to 18 year old Ronnie with that guidance that or with the knowledge that you know now like would you tell him anything would you kind of just like watch like in a distance like um i i think the the good comparison was um the hot tub time machine because that it, it just made me laugh um what if you had that scenario what how how would you go about it Man, that's such a good question, dude, because part of me wants to say, like, I would tell my younger self to, you know, follow your gut, follow your instincts, because there was a lot of situations that I should have followed my gut, and I didn't, and it turned out really, really fucking bad, really shitty for me, um, but then another part of me wants to kind of just sit by and watch, you know, and watch my younger self and see what kind of decisions I'm making, um, but yeah, I think I think the best thing to that I would say to myself or my 18-year-old self is just to follow your intuitions and follow your dreams because I didn't do that when I was 18. And uh, I mean, my life still turned out pretty great. I have some pretty great kids, and I have a really great life. And I love my life, and I love I love my wife Chelsea, and I love my kids. But there's a lot of things in my life that I wish would be different, and uh, like what I just said about my dad, I wish that I could have at least talked to him one more time before he died so that our last conversation wasn't a fight. So 
uh just follow follow your heart follow your intuition follow your gut if your gut's telling you one thing you should probably listen to it because i it will never suit you because anytime i've gone against it it's always stirred it's always taking me down the wrong path got it and then to to the send this home the go home spot man this is your this is your open time, man. To to the community, to society, to the younger generation, to the older generation. What do you have to say about your mental health, or just mental health in general? What 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 do you what can you compile for them? I would just say, talk talk to talk to someone talk to someone you trust like um and i mean i'm i'm 36 years old and i'm still i'm still learning that and i'm still trying to open up about my feelings and communicate more with my wife and give her the kind of husband that she deserves and uh i i would just say just talk to someone if you're if you have depression if you're feeling down if you're if you're anxious and you don't know what you're anxious about, try and find that, try and find your center and find your coping mechanism. See, see what helps you in a healthy way, not, not a destructive, painful type of way. Like find something that's, that's a healthy way to, to keep your mind busy or to help you, help you figure out your feelings. Just like for me, it's weed and weed and working out. I've been working out a lot. Uh, the last few years and that's really that's really helped me with like my self-image and it's helped me with my my depression and my anxiety but uh yeah i just i would just say talk man talk about your feelings talk about what you're feeling and i sound like such a hypocrite right now because i don't talk a lot about my feelings like i said i'm trying i'm trying to learn how to try to trying to open up more with my wife but um that would probably be the best thing i could say all right, man. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Real Deal podcast with my very special guest, my brother, my friend, Ronnie Jaquiz, a.k.a. Justin Pilgrim. Where can they find you on social media, my friend? Uh, you can find me all over the place. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, if you want to just add my personal account, you know, it's obviously my name. Um, my photography, I have a page for that. Just Jaquist photography. Um, Instagram is Ronnie Jaquist. Uh, Twitter is still my wrestling, uh, gimmick, the horror style gimmick. So just at, at horror underscore style is my Twitter. Um, I'm even on TikTok where I post behind the scene videos of some of my wrestling figure photo shoots I do. Uh, and that's, jake was photography as well so just search jake was photography or search for ronnie jake was and i guarantee you. and by god if you have not seen any of these tiktoks and how they are produced ladies and gentlemen you're missing out <laughs> again you're you're completely missing out um and if you're a real big like historian and professional wrestling and you know these moments Drop them a follow, drop a comment, leave a heart, share it to your Facebook wall, your Instagram story, and all that. All of that shit helps, man. And um, oh, yeah. again, it, it's been a pleasure to sit down with you, brother, for a while and just 
and sh- shoot the shit. We, we, we've talked about video games and wrestling, mental health, and just it, look, it, it, like you said, it's always good to sit down and talk. And uh, it, it was a pleasure and a goddamn honor to have you on my podcast, man. It wasn't the first episode, but we I wanted to make sure we worked out the kinks. So the, right. the, the true first episode of the Real Deal podcast with my guest, Ronnie Jaquiz. Man, thank you again very, very much. Yeah, brother, thank you. I really, I'm honored to be on the podcast. I, I really appreciate you having me on, man. And you, and you you know, I've told you plenty of times, man, that one match that we had, just, it reignited my passion for wrestling because I, I was ready to quit back then. And then we had that match, dude, and it, it reignited my passion. So I don't know if I ever really thanked you for that. So I want to I wanna thank you for that, man. I, that, ah. meant, that meant a lot to me, really, because I was – I was honestly ready to quit walk away that day. Look, and man. We had that match. And, uh, dude, that match went so smooth. And everything just went to plan. And the crowd was hot. The crowd was into it. You know, we had them at the end of the match. And, uh, it just reignited something in me. Man. I will so never. I, a chance to take you for that. I will never forget that match because it was the show immediately after my uncle passed away of cancer. Yep. I remember that. So my entire family was there. They were so invested into the show because the show was in his honor. Um, and it, again, it, a top five match of, of my 220 matches. Oh, dude, yeah, and, and my mom was in the crowd that for that match, and that's the first and only match she's ever seen me wrestle in person. That's huge, man. Like a lot of elements went into that making that match, and it was such an easy story to tell. And again, the it was look it, we both we both stepped away from the game man it could a could a possible castile pilgrim tag team be ready i don't, oh, I don't think the midwest is ready for this i don't think they are either i think that 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 oh, work shit. i think that'd be pretty dope if it, if whatever multiverse that happened in that would be pretty dope maybe like a one off or something yeah, man. Maybe we just go put over some young kids. <laughs> I'm always down. I'm I'm down, man. But again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in to the Real Deal podcast. Next time, professional wrestler, Father Jaden Michael Quick, right here, where you can find the Real Deal podcast on Anchor by Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, tell somebody you love them. And we'll see you guys in the next one.